Hey, thank you to Helix for sponsoring this podcast. Adam has had his Helix mattress for almost a year now, and he's loving it. It's it's actually hard to get him up. In fact, he won't stop talking about it. You'll understand what we mean when he goes into detail. Thank you for the detail, Adam, later on the episode. But for now, we want to tell our listeners about a special deal going on. Our Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and... As if that's not enough, two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet, and I'll bet it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. All right. Okay, I am recording. We know you're recording, Bonnie. If you weren't recording, (laughs) you've already said you were recording. You know what, Adam? What? Every week, I say I have nothing to say, and then you provoke me into a conversation. So what do you have to say? Nothing. I have have a show to start. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Be my guest. (laughs) Thank you for your permission. Why do we do these cold (laughs) opens? I have no idea. (laughs) Scorpions out of here. Live from our houses in Los Angeles, California, it's Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, your comedy field guide to life. Tonight, boom, did I scare you? Are you filled with a sensation of dread? Or are you just angry with me for making you drive off the road? Well, when your pulse returns to normal, buckle up, buttercups, because we're talking about fear. What is it? What is it good for? And what is that thing behind you? Look out! Just kidding. But we have Michelle Massey, director of Anxiety Therapy LA, here to talk fear. And if that's not scary enough, prepare yourself to be confronted with strange, unfamiliar fact. It's the return of our potluck info party. I'm Adam Felber, this podcast's Fred, expertly driving our conversational mystery machine from one ghoulish adventure to the next. And now, please welcome the woman who is a perfect hybrid of Shaggy and Scoob, splitting her time evenly between panicking and snacking. Rut row, it's Paula Poundstone. <laughs> hey, you guys. Hey, Adam. And thanks to tonight's house band, Kevin Burke, on the guitar from Los Angeles, California. <laughs> That's exotic. Kevin Burke, why is that name so familiar? Oh, that's right. He is both the guitarist in my dad band and the co-host of my new podcast, Dad Band Land, available now on the Starburns Audio Network. What a freakish coincidence. I know, and I guess he's a nobody, and Tony booked him. Tony, that's amazing. There you go. Apparently, he wore a funny nose and a mustache and glasses so that Tony wouldn't recognize him from here. <laughs> that's how it happened. Adam. How you doing, Paula Poundstone? Today, while I was doing my chores, I got two splinters from two separate encounters with wood. One was in my right palm from a rough wood door, and separately entirely, I got one in a finger from the board that I put over the worm bend. And I was so busy getting ready for the podcast, because you know I, I, I do dress up and style my hair for this, I was in such a hurry that I thought, you know what, I'll just leave the splinters in and, and get them out later. But I couldn't because they kept hurting, so I had to take them out. That made me think, you know, I think that the skin organ 
may be your best organ. It's so much better than the nose because your skin has a foreign object and it says, get out, get out of here, you don't belong here. Whereas the fucking nose doesn't say a thing. You breathe in COVID and your nose says, welcome to my luxurious nasal passages, right this way, I'll show you to the lungs. It doesn't tell you that it's there, you have to get a test, and even then you might not know. The, the nose will actually harbor a criminal. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the epidermis, the dermis, and the hypodermis, collectively known as the skin organ. I'm with you on the nose. I, I find the nose to be a treacherous organ anyway. If you're a man, as you age, your nose not only expands, but sprouts hairs both within it and out of it. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's... I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Being a man in middle age is a terrible adventure, Paula. Never do it. You don't want to be a, a man getting older with, with a nose and ears. It's just the worst. Well, I don't think you want to be a man getting older without a nose and ears either, uh, because that's just freakish. Yeah. That, you know what? Okay, speaking of freakish, I was walking my dog Mo uh, yesterday, and I saw a gardener wearing a camouflage outfit, uh, and it took me a while to identify that it was a gardener. At first, I just thought it was a leaf blower just floating through <laughs> a shrub-type environment, because there he was among the greenery. My dog Mo, by the way, she's afraid of any kind of like lawn ornament. Really? So from Halloween through Christmas, she's afraid of like the the inflatable Santa Clauses and snowmen. She literally will look down the street from the corner and go, "Yeah, not this street, no." So this is the beginning of the only good season for her. Yeah, she's very excited about the spring, uh, <laughs> and so and so is my kitten Nash. Very excited about the spring. Um, you know, I got these two kittens last spring, and I've been trying to get an appointment to get them fixed. And my vet is like, oh, you know, you have to call at 10 o'clock on such and such a day, and you have to bring them in for a checkup first. And then, oh, and then we're going out of town. Like, my vet just keeps not being available. So I've called other vets, and they say, have you already been here? I say, no. And they go, oh, we're not taking anyone new. So I literally haven't been able to find a place to get them fixed. Uh, I finally went to the Hobby Lobby and just tried to get something with pipe cleaners. Um, no, don't do that. Paula, that is that is a bad idea. Yeah, I'm just using like a little pumpkin carving kit I have here at home. No, um, no, no, again. Well, today we stepped out of my bedroom and I have a male and a female are the kittens. And uh, not good news. Uh-oh. Yeah. They were, they were- Yeah. With each other? Yeah. Apparently cats don't care. It doesn't matter relations in the cat world. There's nothing to be ashamed of, um, but something to be reckoned with. And then I read uh, females can get pregnant as early as four months. Well, these guys are 10 months. So, uh, oh boy, you, you, you could yeah. be in some real trouble here. I could be <laughs> in some trouble. <laughs> I could have to head to the pet store and get some little cribs, some little bassinets. Yeah, well, if while we're taping this, we you know, we hear Charday or Anita Baker coming from the other room, we'll uh, let yeah. you go and separate them. You know, I put the female in my bedroom with me now. I don't usually let the cats in my bedroom, but I felt I had to make an exception to the rule. So she's in here now, and the male cat's on the other side of the door just waiting. Yeah, it could, it could easily be too late. She can't get double pregnant at this point. Actually, they can. They can? Yeah. 
I so don't want to be thinking about this that I think it's time to get to our <laughs> book club. <laughs> Calling the book club to order. Oh, here we go. I'm going to try oh. and change the melody a little. Oh, boy. We got a book club. We got a book club. <laughs> we got a book club. When you have a theme song, do you change the melody? Or <laughs> is the whole purpose that you have a, a song that everyone recognizes and they know what's going to happen because they heard the, huh, yeah. Also, I don't know if it's an upgrade to go from Stephen Sondheim to Playground Taunt Melody. <laughs> right, but I'm not plagiarizing a melody. No, I have an interesting little factoid about that. The interval that you that children do when they taunt like that, na 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 na. It's the same in every language. It's like crosses cultures, crosses continents. It's like the virus itself. That's right. It's just like Omicron. How clever of me to choose that. It was clever. Yes, uh, it was. <laughs> she's going to add on lyrics that say stuff like, Paula can't read, Paula can't read. <laughs> that's, that's a fun part of the book club theme. All right, well, we're, we're talking Fight Club, obviously, a, a, a novel not written by Brad Pitt. And we are at a very exciting it part was. of Fight Club. We read it chapters. It was not. Written by uh, a Chuck Palahuki Gakakua. We read chapters 21 through 25, I think. Uh, is yeah. that correct, Tony? Yeah, okay. Yeah, and during these chapters, we discover, and our narrator discovers, that he is his buddy, Tyler Durden. That's the big thing. Like, his fight club is growing. His Operation Chaos is happening. Uh, he's got people revere him in every city. Everybody's calling him sir. And eventually, a couple of people just tell him, look, dude, you are Tyler Durden. And so he discovers that whenever he falls asleep, Tyler Durden, his alter ego, takes over his body goes out there and does badass things. You know, I'm not sure that the same thing hasn't happened to me, and I'll tell you why. Okay. I'm so tired all the time, and yet I sleep plenty. I mean, I haven't my whole life slept plenty, but especially now because I'm not on the road again because of COVID. And so, you know, I sleep like a full night's sleep. So I get up in the morning, I'm like, I can't believe how lousy I feel. And it's just got to be that in the middle of the night, I'm someone else. Wouldn't it be great if I was somebody worthwhile in the middle of the night? Wouldn't that be fantastic? Yeah, that's rarely the case with midnight alter egos, though. Um, yeah. Paula, were you surprised by the surprise? Did it, did it grab you? I was totally surprised. Yeah, I didn't see that coming at all. You know, remember the book began with um, the narrator, whose name we never knew. Right or haven't so far known anyways, I take that back. But the book began with, so I was on the roof of a building and I shoved a gun in my mouth. And then he went, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Tyler Durden shoved a gun in my mouth. That, yeah. did that surprise you? <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that was one of those giveaways I'm surprised you didn't catch. Yeah, it was one of the hints right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And with that, let's open up the floor a little bit. Let's go up to that Simi Valley, which, by the way, everybody, is spelled S-I-M-I. -I. There's nothing Simi about Bonnie Burns. Oh, yay, Bonnie. Woo! <laughs> yay, Bonnie. <laughs> well, let me say. Yay, Bonnie. That was her split personality. I have to say, after a while, I did see that. I was guessing Tyler and the narrator were the same person. No, you Paula. weren't. Yes, <laughs> I was. No, you went ahead in the book. And then you started saying, like, when we weren't even up to that chapter yet, you'd go, 
hmm, I wonder what's going I wonder something's going on. And you already knew at that point. Right. And so, like Adam, I didn't say anything. You did say but something. I feel that there were clues everywhere. There were clues everywhere. No, we had to keep saying to you, like, don't, don't tell, don't tell. And you were like, something's going on. They might be the <laughs> same. And we'd say, Bonnie, don't tell. And you, as if you had guessed it. You didn't guess it. Oh, please. So here's what I think. And Paula's going to beat me up for this, but I'm going to be right. I really think, number one, the book is fantastic. It may not be the most enjoyable read in the world, but I really understand why so many nobodies wanted us to read it. it. It's really brilliantly written. Yes. But I think the overall theme here is the struggle between the true self, Tyler, and the fake self, the narrator. And Ooh. there are just so many clues <laughs> about this. And before I go on with that, we never talked about that they live on, the house is on Paper Street. Hello, Paper Street, writing. Yes. That the control of the story is the guy that wrote the book who's having the conflict between the true self and the real self. But I think one of the conflicts people have when they're trying to what? Wait a minute. who they really what's, are. What's, what street do you live on? I'm not letting on? you get a word in what's, it twice. What, so you street, what street do you live on? <laughs> I don't live on Paper Street. It's clear that the writer is writing his whole saga okay about the conflict between the two selves bonnie lives on the corner of racket and russell uh, no bonnie lives over on uh, manipulation circle and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the paper street thing is such a reach i can't even believe you said it it's so obvious why would the street be called paper street i i, I don't know me yeah, yeah it could be that it's about the writer yeah go ahead Okay. So pithy. So, it's very pithy. And and by the it's way, not pithy. I, in these in these <laughs> chapters, yes. he even says that the paper street house is no guarantee of safety, meaning that what the writer's writing is never mind that part. Forget that. Yeah, part. let's let's forget <laughs> that. No, part. no, I okay. think, no. No, yeah, I'll get on to my other part. Here's this my is other such, part. I, I wish that Chuck could be with us right now. Yeah. So that he could go, what the fuck? No, I okay. So, for example, mm -hmm. I think most people who get in the struggle between living a fake self and they have to try and accept a real self to be happy, that's why you realize that you've got to do something to change because you're not satisfied in a fake life. What happens in this book? The guy has insomnia, clearly a sign that you're not at peace with yourself. He goes to these uh, support groups to try and be able to sleep. And he's in this struggle where, for example, well, okay, Paula, like you said, the, the book opens with Tyler has a gun in his mouth. It does. It's the true self trying to kill off the fake self. And I think yeah. when people are trying to accept a true self, they're very afraid of who they might become if they didn't let all these rules of being oh normal govern their behavior. You know what worries me? How much money did you pay for your own therapy to come up with these bullshit ideas? I, I just I, think you went to Scooby the Clown for way too long. I 
And this is the kind of shit you come up with. I think there's some merit to what Bonnie's saying. But, Bonnie, what I would say is I don't necessarily see Tyler Durden as this guy's true self. I think Tyler Durden is the monster he created because he had repressed so much in his life. I just want to say one thing to you, Bonnie. Hello, repap. It's paper <laughs> no. backwards. I think what happens is your fear of the true self, what you'll do is so exaggerated, that's why he's come up with this monster, that that's what he'd be if he was a true self. All of a sudden, I'm realizing maybe I never understood Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I have one more point. Oh, my gosh. Wait. Dr. Ruth has something else. No, no, no. For example, the narrator tries to shut down Fight Club, and it's gone too far for him to do it. What allegory is that? That Trump. he's trying to it's stop Trump. being the real self. It's Trump. It's gone too far, and he can't go back to the fake self. It's Trump when he said uh, that he was vaccinated. That's what it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Bonnie, I, I think you've got some interesting insights into the book, but I want to expand our circle to embrace Sherman Oaks <laughs> and a woman who has loved this book from day one, Tony Anita Hall. Tony, how did it hit you? I was surprised. I mean, I felt like something was up, but I didn't know what, but I wasn't expecting the narrator to actually be Tyler Durden. I didn't really see that part coming. Tony, has it made you recognize your struggle with your real self? <laughs> Because, Tony, I have to tell you, whenever you sleep, you end up on a cruise ship. There you go. There you go. Is that yeah. my yeah. true self? Yeah. I would suggest that, guys, if you if you flip back through the book, one of the really telling things about uh, Tyler and the narrator is the relationship with Marla, who is constantly perplexed by this relationship that he's not allowed to talk about. Yeah, but when he says to her, Tyler used your mother's fat for soap. Yeah. She doesn't go, who the fuck is Tyler? No, because she knows he's Tyler. Oh, oh. Well, she doesn't say, well, then why are you speaking of yourself in the third person? <laughs> okay. Oh, wait, Bonnie knows why. Bonnie? Uh, Dr. No, Phil? I was gonna Dr. Say, Phil? I was going to throw out here that I haven't quite figured out who Marla is representative of. His mother. It's his mother. It's got to be. It's not his mother. No, wait. Of course no. it is. Well, it might be his mother. I don't know. <laughs> I was kidding. No. But, okay, like, <laughs> here's one thing. I think there might be, like, a homosexual fear oh, of being self. God no, with Marla, sakes. what does she tell him to do? He's got to dress up in women's clothes, doesn't she? She does. She suggests it oh. as, as a way that he might be able to uh, hide from all the people who know him as Tyler Durden. Ah, there you go. Which is, like, if you're gay, accept it. How do you explain the suppository? Okay, the suppository oh, God. is like she comes up with these really heinous things for him to do as a way to stay awake, right? And yeah. not have Tyler come and get him, which is the struggle between the true self and the fake self. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. Let me ask you something. Do you have like an online course that you're teaching on psychology? Because <laughs> this is just the worst psychobabble. <laughs> And believe me, I've heard some psychobabble before, but. I have some affection for Bonnie's point of view towards this. Um, all right, Tony, is there anything else you want to say about it? You know, the castration scene was rough and I don't, <laughs> I don't even have balls. And I felt like I felt it. Oh my God, that was awful. But, they, but uh, happily, nobody was castrated. That is true. That is true. 
But still, yeah. that was that was pretty painful. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I I'll just, tell you one thing. I wouldn't have wanted to be the rubber band. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we wrap up this book next week, because there's uh, happily exactly five chapters left. I want to throw open a question to the floor that I want you guys to think about, and maybe we can have our listeners weigh in, too, at nobodylistenstopaulapoundstone at gmail.com or on our Facebook group, which is, now that we've read a genuinely good and approachable book, how do we feel about reading good books in book club? (laughs) Well, we don't know before we start. I mean, the truth is, Eat, Pray, Love came with high praise from Tony, and I, I, yeah. I genuinely wanted to read Moby Dick because it was, you know, classic that you're somehow supposed to have read. You know, now that we've read this book that features office supplies, the desk yeah. and the uh, printer machine <laughs> and the rubber band, I wonder if we could get Staples to sponsor our show. It's Fight Club in Book Club presented by Staples. <laughs> exactly. All right, well, I'm going to call this, hey, uh, this meeting of Book Club to a close, yes. Well, thank you so much. And Bonnie, congratulations on not being censured. Uh, oh, thanks. That's two weeks in a row. Well, last week you really could have been. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I tell you what, as it happens. Yes. I have a word. Yay. It's diaphanous. It's an adjective that means, especially a fabric, light, delicate, and translucent. Here, I'll show you how Justice Sonia Sotomayor might use it. So I found an undergarment at Victoria's Secret. It was a very thin brief. I would say that it was diaphanous. Although it is my right, I could not, in good conscience, wear such a brief beneath my robes as I sit on the Supreme Court. Diaphanous, it's a great word. Let's put it right into the vocabulary song. This week's word is diaphanous. It's an adjective that means especially a fabric, light, delicate, and translucent. I can see right through the dress you sent. Last week's word was oleaginous. It's an adjective that means oily or greasy. It also means excessively flattering or obsequious. You are the smartest, best, most wonderful, beautiful, even gorgeous. (laughs) The week before that, the word was apogee. It's a noun that means the highest point in the development of something. There's no finer snack on the planet than a Drake's ring ding. Going back before that, the word was mendacity. It's an noun that means untruthfulness. Mitch McConnell has done his best to make a big mess. Let's never forget Gallimaufry, which I pronounced wrong until nobody James Hyder corrected me. It's a noun that means confused jumbler medley of things. Hodgepodge, who's podge, hodgepodge. Adam doesn't think my song is replicable, replicable, replicable. But I do, I do, I do, I do. Really nice stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah. Was it, you know, it's, uh, because I'm not on the road at this point, uh, I've been able to spend uh, a lot more hours uh, practicing on the clock. Oh, it shows. Yeah. You really nailed uh, it yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Um, Tony Anita Hall. 
Yes. And for America's beloved girl next door and our co-worker, Tony Anita Hull, can, without Googling, identify correctly the definition of one of our former vocabulary words, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone, will give literally dollars worth of advertising to Black Pearl Books, located at 4803 Burnett Road in Austin, Texas. However, if Tony Anita Hall cannot identify the correct definition of our former vocabulary word, we will not be able to give literally dollars worth of advertising to Black Pearl Books at 4803 Burnett Road in Austin, Texas. Tony Anita Hall, are you ready? I'm ready. There's a lot on the line here for Black Pearl Books at 4803 Burnett Road in Austin, Texas. The definition of the word insalubrious, Tony, is A, greasy or slimy, B, seedy or squalid, not well kept or clean, C, keep out of sight, typically with a sinister or cowardly motive, or D, the opposite of outsalubrious. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. Is it B? It is B, ladies well and done, gentlemen. Tony. Yay! <laughs> that was hard. You are two for two uh, on this because I believe you got last week's correct as well. So congratulations, Tony Anita Hull, and congratulations to Black Pearl Books at 4803 Burnett Road in Austin, Texas, to whom we have just given literally dollars worth of advertising that's Black Pearl Books at 4803 Burnett Road in Austin, Texas. Thank you, Tony Anita Hall. Thank you. Oh my God, that was so exciting. <laughs> that was that was that was a nail biter. All right, coming up, Yoda famously said, "Fear, anger, aggression, the dark side of the Force are they," and grammar also evil too. That is, fuck itself. Grammar should. <laughs> we'll take a somewhat calmer look at fear when we come back. Hey, Paula, it's been almost a year now since I got my Helix mattress. And as you remember, there was some drama surrounding Helix mattresses. Because oh, when oh Helix gosh. first sponsored us, Bonnie took the mattress and yeah. she's been loving it. But finally, I got my chance to get a Helix mattress and I sleep so well. I mean, the family bed is where we all gather. We watch movies in, in our room occasionally and everybody just piles on it and it it's comfy. And yet when one person hops on, the other half of the mattress doesn't fly up. I'm a fan. Well, you know, Adam, everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. Models with memory foam layers to provide optimal pressure relief if you sleep on your side. Models with a more responsive foam to cradle your body for essential support in stomach and back sleeping positions. Plus, enhanced cooling features to keep you from overheating at night. And if your spine needs some extra TLC, they got you. Every Helix mattress has a hybrid design combining individually wrapped steel coils in the base with premium foam layers on top. It is the perfect combination of comfort 
and support. I agree with that last bit. I don't get all the technical stuff about the mattress, but it is soft and supportive. Helix offers 20 unique mattresses, the award-winning Lux, which I got, and ultra-premium Elite Collections, the Helix Plus, a mattress designed for big and tall sleepers, and the Helix Kids mattress designed for growing bodies and endorsed by child sleep experts, and my daughter now wants one. So, how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You go to their website, take the Helix Sleep Quiz, and you find your perfect mattress match in under two minutes. You know, when you said you can't follow all the technical stuff, it's really not that technical. You know, uh, no matter what way you sleep, they have a mattress that will support and comfort you. How hard is that? Uh, you know, when you say it that way, it seems a lot simpler. I take it back. That's my boner. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door, free of charge. And Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10- to 15-year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Well, I like that there's a warranty, but they can pry that mattress with my cold, dead hands. I took the sleep quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight Lux. I got the Lux. And I love it. It is such an upgrade from my old mattress. You know, I think Bonnie got the Midnight Lux. She did. Too. Yeah. You're not here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take Adam's word for it? Well, you got Bonnie's word. Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Your Sleepy Time Pal Helix is offering up to 30% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. That's a lot, and it's already not that expensive a mattress. Go to helixsleep.com slash Paula. That's helixsleep.com slash Paula. This is their best offer yet. It's fantastic. It won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. Well, not right now. And if you're going to get it anyway, use our code. Hey, Paula. You know, every once in a while, we get a new advertiser that I get super excited about. And I have to say, just because of the circumstances of my life right now, I'm really excited about our new advertiser, Quince of Quince.com, the clothing provider. Not to be mistaken for Quince from Midsummer Night's Dream. And let me just say this, and maybe it's not important to an advertisement, but when I was in the fourth grade, our class put on a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Okay. And I played I played Peter Quince. There. There's the connection. One of the mechanicals. That's a great connection. Also, yes, has nothing to do with this, which is that um, Quince is an online clothing store. And as you know, Paula, I've, uh, I've lost a little weight lately. Oh, right. 75 pounds. Yeah. So I literally have no clothes that are in my size until I just ordered some stuff at Quince. And I figured, like, here's a chance for me to create a new look for myself. A whole new image. And how's it going? Not bad. I mean, the clothes are fantastic. I know that you ordered some too. What I got is I got yes. the Comfort Stretch Traveler five pocket pants. And I got oh. the, um, oh, it's so, and I got the 100% European linen shirt and it looks breezy and it fits beautifully. And these are like premium pieces of clothing that are selling for like, you know, $30 a piece or starting at $30 at quince.com. It's awesome. I look good. I ordered the brushed lounge jogger Ooh. and you know i put them on when i came back from new york i pulled them on and i i swear to you okay this is not scientific because i was tired already right but they were so soft <laughs> <laughs> and, 
and so comfortable that honestly, like right as I got them up to my waist, I I, I think my eyes closed. They're so, co- it's a softness. It's a kind of softness that I don't think I've ever experienced in a garment, honestly. You know, my uh, drawstring European linen trousers are a little bit like that too. Like so comfortable that I just want to hang out with myself. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're European. Keep that in mind. They're oh, European. they are so European. And you can get those kinds. Of, you can get washable silk tops. You can get uh, 14 karat gold jewelry and like all these accessories. Wynn sells a lineup of timeless pieces that keep their customers looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm not certain that I look chic, but certainly if I did, it's not going to take a lot of effort. I now look chic and I feel pretty great. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabric. It's all good as far as I can see. Is it my imagination or do they cut out the middleman? They cut out the middleman, Paula Poundstone. I love it when they cut out the middleman. That's the thing, they cut out the middleman. <laughs> That's fantastic. So be like me and Paula. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash nobody for free shipping on your order and a 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash nobody to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash nobody. Nobody. And honestly, I look fantastic. Paula, you won't be able to keep your hands off me. Oh, I can't wait. And don't (laughs) think that if you had to return something, don't think you're sending it to a middleman because they cut out the middleman. They cut out the middleman. That's quince.com slash nobody. And if you're going to do it anyway, use our code. On this day in unremarkable history, Lego inventor Ula Kirk Christensen said, Stop by any time. It's the one on the corner. You can't miss it. It's blue, red, white, black, yellow, and green. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, house band Kevin Burke. You sound fantastic. And may I say that you're very funny on that new music-oriented podcast, Dad band land on Starburns. It's just great stuff, Kevin. <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. It sounds great. And you know, it's calming me down a little bit because you know what, Adam? What? I'm scared. What? I'm scared my, my kitten is, is going to get pregnant before I can get her fixed. I, I, I'm afraid the rats are going to eat my leafy vegetables. I'm afraid my car is going to get stolen. I'm afraid COVID will never go away. I'm afraid mental health problems will blow up the world. I'm afraid... I won't be able to work. I'm afraid I'll lose my motivation. I'm afraid our democracy will roll beneath right-wing greed and lies. I'm afraid I'll have to cut out sugar. I'm scared. Well, well, Paula, just push those feelings away and let's get on with the show. No, I'm kidding. Paula, (laughs) it's, it's amazing that you should bring that up because right here we have an expert in the subject of fear and anxiety. Wait a minute. We do. Would you want to talk to somebody like that maybe and get uh, get a little more, you know, coherence on what this fear is all about? It's certainly better than friends who say cheer up. Yeah, well, let's see if we can cheer you up. Michelle Massey, you might remember her. She's the director of Anxiety Therapy LA and previously was the associate clinical director for UCLA's Resnick Neuropsychiatric Hospital. Let's welcome back returning champion Michelle Massey. Yay! Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me back. And Paula, listen to Adam. Um, Just stuff those feelings away and 
just show up. That's all we do. That's what I tell my clients. See? See? You just stuff <laughs> it away, right? I didn't realize. No, no, I can't. Uh, wow, that sounds so skilled. Um, I, how many years did you have to study to come up with that? Fifteen, all right? right? <laughs> Michelle, let's start with this. What is fear and why do we have it? And by the way, is it the same as anxiety? No, they're not. And and people use them interchangeably. Uh, and I think that's fine the in, bastards. in general for lay people. Um, fear is the normal response to a real danger. Like you're being chased down by dinosaurs, right? Um, mm -hmm. I mean, assuming you're a caveman. Uh, is, is that a normal danger? <laughs> yeah, don't you know? Uh, in my house yeah. with a two-year-old, it is. No, so it's a normal response to real danger, whereas anxiety is your irrational response to perceived danger. Like we oftentimes oh. have anticipated anxiety, right? You're anxious about an upcoming test or a doctor's appointment where you might, you know, have uh, be getting shots like the vaccines. There's been a lot of anticipatory anxiety about getting a shot um, or, mm -hmm. you know, a conversation that you might have with a friend, like a hard conversation that might be coming up. So the mm -hmm. anxiety is the um is is that irrational response because it's it's how we're interpreting a situation whereas the fear is our automatic limbic system turning on that fight or flight mode um and that's why we can't control our emotions do they look the same <gasps> yes the, you'll have the same symptoms which is uh, what fast beating heart exactly. sweating exactly and um, and everybody's a little bit different but exactly fast beating hearts uh, sweating maybe like upset stomach um, you know feeling like you know if you're having panic attacks maybe feeling like something's sitting on your chest etc. Mm -hmm. Yeah yeah um, you know when you say limbic system it sounds to me like something that is included in a score <laughs> in a category in women's gymnastics. Right. <laughs> I can just hear the people whispering as they're, you know, to her limbic system uh, is fantastic. Right, you've got a, a 10. There's, yeah, there's exactly, her, she was uh, excellent tumbling. She got a lot of height there and her limbic system. Ooh. Yeah. Um, if, if we were <laughs> fearless, mm -hmm. don't you think we would be dead? I, I agree with that. I, I think that, so I, I think of having fear, it, you know, and anxiety keeps us a bit safe, like having values keeps us sort of on not like the straight and narrow path. But if we didn't have values to live by, we might just sort of like be running havoc all across, you know, the city. And I think fear kind of does sort of the same thing is that it, you know, if I didn't have some fear, I would never study, right? Um, if I, you know, I'd walk but down wait, the street. wait, is that fear? That's anxiety. Not, it's anxiety, but sort of, you know, yeah. in, the, in the same thought process, right? Like if I didn't have things I was afraid of and then I, you know, it, it, it impacts how we think and how we act, right? So I would- So Michelle yeah. says that we should live in fear. We'll have more after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, right, no, 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 I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I like to swim out to the buoy in the ocean yep. at Singing Beach in Manchester, Massachusetts. I usually get about three quarters of the way there before I start hearing the three notes mm -hmm. from the Jaws theme song in my head. Now, by this time, of course, I can't, you know, you can't touch the, the ground with your feet. Right. You're, pre you're pretty far out. Right. I do continue to swim, but very slowly and with a good deal of, I don't know if it's fear or anxiety, it's one of the two, maybe a little a bit of both. Is there anything I can do in that moment to overcome the fear separate from 
asking Roy Scheidner to swim with <laughs> right, you. Right, right, right. And in terms of fear versus anxiety, I guess it would depend on whether there are actually sharks in that where you're swimming, right? So if there's no sharks, then it's probably much more just anxiety about the unknown as opposed to is there a real fear of you being possibly eaten by a shark? I always tell clients- No, there's very know, few sharks in Manchester. I, you know, that's not true. You know, what's interesting is, um, you know how recently, like on the internet in the summer, you'll see um, there'll be like a video uh, that's taken from a drone and it'll be somebody on, you know, maybe on a surfboard mm -hmm. or paddleboarding or something or even swimming and beneath them or very near them, there's a shark. Yeah. Now, the truth is, until drone cameras were possible, we simply didn't know, mm -hmm. right? I mean, I imagine there's sharks around us a lot. That I don't think they attack you every time they see you. No. And so my guess is it may even be that that, it's certainly the man didn't know the shark was there, and the shark maybe didn't even know the man was there. It's true. Ignorance um, is bliss. Exactly. Then why aren't I more blissful? That's another question. Um, so, all right. So wait, I, I avoided the part where you could tell me wait, the wait, answer. Wait, so I'll get back to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to point that out. It like I was afraid of the do answer. Too. No. So, you know, what I tell my clients is it's not so much about overcoming the fear. You actually continuing to swim really is about overcoming the fear. We can't, because we can't control the emotion, it's not about whether or not we have the fear. It's, are we going to continue the behavior that we want? So as long as you keep swimming and you keep getting in the water week after week or day after day, how often you do it, um, that's all that matters because you're, you're engaging in behaviors that align with your values, which is either exercise or hobby or whatever that is. We don't like the fear, but I always tell my clients, no. it doesn't matter how you feel. What? Oh, I know. I know. They hate me when yeah. I say it, <laughs> but it yeah. really, it's, wow. plus, it's all about the behaviors. Well, and, well yeah. what Michelle hasn't told you is that many of her clients have been eaten. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, so that's important. Uh, anyways, uh, Okay, here's another fear okay. uh, question. Okay, so you're saying that so long as you can, so long as you don't just freeze up and stop, right? Then to some degree you just go, yes, I'm afraid, and it doesn't matter, right? I mean, if you freeze up and sh and stop, then you're gonna drown, right? So it's a, gonna More be a non-issue, yeah. Or at least have a humiliating rescue, <laughs> right? Now, are there is there somebody that you've worked with um, where they have a fear that's that can be overcome using some process. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think I'd be out of business if I didn't. I'd be a very bad therapist. So we use cognitive behavioral therapy. We use exposure and response prevention therapy. But basically it's facing your fears and, you know, living towards your values and mm -hmm. not engaging in, you know, the avoidance of doing these things. Give me a more step-by-step. Step. Yeah. When you say cognitive behavioral yeah. therapy, I actually, for OCD, I one time went to a cognitive behavioral therapist. Yeah. I can't remember if I told you this before. But at the beginning of every session, he would say, we're going to make a list uh -huh. of what we're going to talk about. Well, the truth is, one of the problems I have is list making, <laughs> uh, uh, which I never said to the guy because... He was, yeah, he was kind of a, a doofus yeah, yeah. anyways, so I didn't bother telling him anything because he was an idiot. And I have a fear of idiots, so that so it that was tough. Yeah. Um, so, all right, so tell me, when you say mm -hmm. cognitive behavioral therapy, tell me what that involves. Tell me what steps that requires. 
Okay, so a couple things. First off, we're going to look, we're going to look at the cognitive aspect of the CBT, right? So we're going to look at the way you think about things. I already told you we can't control our emotions. We also can't control our initial thoughts that pop in. So you telling me you're afraid of sharks, we can't control that. But we do have ways that we can look and reframe situations. And we can, you know, we can remind ourselves in that example of this where I'm swimming. Sharks but don't how exist. How can you do that with Paula? How can you do that with Paula? Because, I didn't say because Paula you, specifically, gonna, Adam. I just said people I, in no, general. But what I'm saying is, you know, here, here's my, my, yeah. my point is, yeah. Paula's scared of sharks. Right. She comes to your office. Right. How can you trigger that fear so that she can face it? Because your office does not have any sharks it in does it, not. probably not very deep water. It does not. A lot of the work will take place in between sessions. So I'll, I'll give assigned homework and I would have Paula go swim in those oceans, right? Um, you wouldn't go with her? It, it's possible. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I hop on airplanes with clients or um, my favorite, we talked about in and out a little while ago. One of my favorite things to do is go and do eating exposures with my clients. So I've gone and like had dinner at in and out and we eat. That's a great exposure to do. Um, What's somebody afraid of at the in and out? Uh, getting mad cow disease. What? You guys were all around, you know, back in the nineties when mad cow disease existed, people being afraid that they could get mad cow disease. Obviously that doesn't exist wow. here, but that's, we, hmm. we can see anxiety and fear being irrational. Right. Um, but so what we would do sharks. is right sharks is that we would, you know, we might, depending on the level of fear, right. If she's even afraid to like say the word shark or look at sharks, we might even start with doing that in session or looking at pictures on Google. Google's like one of my best friends. Um, you know, we might go out Tony's and go too. to, Go, yeah, yeah. It's Tony's best friend. <laughs> go to the aquarium um, and, you know, get contact with sharks that way. Or we might go to the beach where we know there's no sharks, but still there's a possibility that something come up, right? There's different levels of that exposure that we do. We might do a gradual into it and then have her get into the water. Um, and what so. do you expect to happen during that? Like, so I'm sitting at the beach, but I'm not in the water. Right. What do you go like, oh, okay, you're, you're okay here. You know, you're not freaking out here. Yeah. So let's go a little further in. Exactly. Exactly. What I'm there to teach you is that you can tolerate this fear and anxiety back to, you know, the initial question of mm -hmm. swimming to the buoy, right? Is we, I'm mm -hmm. not telling you, you shouldn't be afraid. And I'm not telling you that bad thing isn't going to happen, but that you can tolerate that, that bad thing. If that bad thing happened, you can tolerate it. Oh, I got you. Well, I don't I know that you. she could tolerate getting eaten by a shark. <laughs> well, no, no, she'd be dead. But, you know, the idea that there's a, <laughs> that, that there's a, you know, the fear that's there. She can tolerate the fear that could come up or the thoughts that might come up. Um, right. You know, we may be anxious, we may be uncomfortable, but we can tolerate it. Right. So, you know, you've made it to that buoy. I can't, you know, I don't know how many times you do it, but you make it to the buoy, many. right, all the time. And so far, 100% of the time, you've made it to the buoy. I can't promise you that the next time you go, you'll make it to the buoy, right? But I can promise Jesus. you, right? <laughs> but I can say that 100% of the time up until now you have. So we're going to use that information. That's the cognitive aspect of it, right? We're going to use that information to inform our future decisions. I mean, I think that that would work with me. Mm -hmm. But say, for example... Um, you're dealing with somebody that is, uh, uh, what do they call it, vaccine resistant <laughs> um, or vaccine hesitant. And they say silly stuff yeah. like, I know of somebody who had a heart attack, right. whatever thing. And, and you say to them, okay, but look how many people, although mm -hmm. that's not necessarily the cause of the heart attack for one thing. And for another thing, 
literally millions of people have taken this vaccination and had no bad, many fewer than, you know, end up in the hospital, right. blah, 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 right? Right. That doesn't seem to go anywhere with, with, with people. I think the difference between those people is that when you come to my office to ask for help, you want to change. You're saying this is impacting oh, yeah. my life, right? Um, and yeah. somebody who is vaccine resistant or whatever they're, you know, resistant about, right? They're not interested in changing. They're not here for me to, to convince them that what they're doing is wrong or doesn't make sense or irrational or whatever, right? right? Is they, they both stand by their beliefs and they have no problem with it. They don't feel like it's impacting their life. So it, that's the difference. Whereas people who are coming to my office are saying, I'm struggling and this life isn't working for me the way I'm doing it. I need help. Yeah. Oh, that makes, yeah. Um, I do want to point out, um, Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, and I quote, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself and snakes. <laughs> snakes are bad and circus clowns. Snakes, circus clowns and fear itself. Good thing they turned his mic off. We'll get back into fear when we come back. <laughs> The Cat of the Week is Tutu from Boulder, Colorado. Hey, it's just me, Paula Poundstone. Have you noticed how unflappable I am lately? My incorrigible prankster dog, Mo, flushed a tennis ball down the toilet and went in after it. I never even mentioned it. A porch pirate stole my porch. I'm steady as she goes. You know why? I'm back in theaters. I ask that my audience be vaccinated and masked so we can enjoy nights of unbridled laughter in the very best company there is, which is you. I've missed you so much, and I can't wait to see you. Another tasty lick from Kevin Burke. Give that man a podcast. And we are back with Michelle Massey. Um, so, Michelle, I used to skydive a little bit. And the fear actually made me angry. And when the guy would say to me, okay, come sit, you know, in the door of the plane, meaning you sit with your legs hanging out and you, you rock three times. And on the third one, um, you, you throw yourself out of the plane. Mm-hmm. And when he would say, uh, come sit in the door of the plane, I would feel not just fear, but like anger. Uh, And I finally stopped skydiving (laughs) for a couple of reasons, but a big one was I had hoped to overcome the fear, you know, and and while it was still so powerful, then a lot of the fun. Right. (laughs) And by the way, once I was in the sky, I was fine. Right. Yeah. I had a similar experience with with uh, scuba diving. Mm. I, I loved it once I was down there, but yeah. that that act of going down for the first time yeah. every time and being so far away from a source of you know a source of air besides your hose it was yeah. it's terrifying. Yeah, we have to use the hose, Adam. You have to breathe from the hose. Oh, that's why I was hospitalized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think you were doing it right. Um, so if I were to go back up again, a will you come with me? And B, how should I get rid of that fear? So I always want to skydive, but I think I'm too afraid. I, I'm afraid I would get to that, like, like jumping out and be like, nope, can't do it. And 
never make it. So I don't know if I would go with you. I'd go in the plane. I don't know if I'd jump out. Um, I think in both those instances, what we have to remember is the fear is your normal response to real danger. There, you know, if you go scuba diving, you could get the bends or you could run out of oxygen or you could, you know, there are so many things. And when you jump out of planes, you know, I had a friend who broke her back. You could, uh, your parachute might not open. There's like real danger in these situations. So I don't know that that fear will ever go away because that's that initial and it makes sense that it's there. It's, you know, reminding yourself of, hey, I really enjoy this part of it afterward and using that information to just be like, yes, this this first part sucks, but I'm willing to tolerate that in order to get to that free fall that I feel when I'm jumping out of the plane or that, you know, when I'm seeing all the fish and the, you know, up close and all of that. Um, I was going to say, if I was seeing fish, (laughs) why did I skydive wrong? Uh, No, don't you land in the water afterward? Is that not how it works? Yeah. All right. But there's another kind of fear, of course. At this point in my life, in this place in human history, Mm -hmm. I am such a jumble of fear, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and loneliness. I I don't think I can even begin to unravel it anymore. Plus, I'm irked. And my guess is that most Americans are right there with me, uh, with the exception of those who I think have already gone right around the bend. You, you know, yeah. uh, so I think that we're talking to a lot of people right now. And what do you recommend to all of us? First off, take a deep breath. I, you know, I think it's it's surrounding ourselves with people we love, um, with hobbies that we enjoy, with doing things we really like. Um, and looking at the things that we have control over in our life and the things that we don't have control over and trying to focus more on the energy of what we have control over, right? I know last year when we were going through the whole election thing or even the last two years with COVID, we focused a lot on what other people are doing or what they're not doing um, and how it impacts us. And really, I have no control over whether somebody chooses to get vaccinated or whether somebody chooses to go to a party and spread COVID or whatever, I can only focus on myself. And so trying to figure out what brings me joy, right. And, and surrounding myself with that. Um, and, you know, meditation, getting good amount of sleep, just in general, lots of self-care. Um, Mm -hmm. but really, you know, I find that like what brings me joy is being around my family and friends and, and trying to connect with them. Even if we can't connect in person, how do I connect? So each per for each person, it's different, right? Some people don't have family that they want to connect with. Um, they may just want to read a book and, and hide away in their room, right? Um, whatever works for you is your thing. That's what I suggest. Um, but but make sure to find your thing because, you know, if we keep, and, and, and I tell a lot of people stay away from the news, you know, take a break from news watching, take a break from social media if you need, um, because we suck that energy from other people, right? Um, right now there's a whole new law going around for that that's impacting therapists. And we found out about it in the last week of the year and everybody was just feeding off one another and freaking out. And it was like, okay, we just need to take a step back and figure this out. But like reading all the comments 24 seven for like three days straight, we were going crazy. Um, Wait a minute. Therapists were freaking out. Yeah, I know it happens. I can't believe you've (laughs) confessed that you're going to be drummed. You know, 
the one thing about Fight Club is you don't talk about Fight Club. I, I, you're yeah. going to be drummed out of the organization. <laughs> it, I hope it makes me feel real, more real and more, you know, like normal. Um, yeah. But, so yeah. you had to you had to take yourself in hand and use right. some of these, you know, yeah. techniques. Exactly. Uh, people that I know, friends of mine, will say to me, "Oh, you have to see such and such a movie." Mm -hmm. Uh, and a lot of times people want want me to watch scary movies. And I always say, gee, I'm already scared. Mm -hmm. I don't want to increase my fear mm -hmm. by watching something supposedly for entertainment. Uh, and I am just not entertained by fear. I still have a backache from seeing Deliverance in the theater in 1974. Are scary movies healthy to watch? I think it depends on the person. I don't think healthy versus unhealthy is sort of the right question to ask. I have a handful of clients who have OCD and anxiety. Their favorite thing is scary movies. Like October, mm. if they could have October all year long, I think they would. Like it's their favorite thing ever. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea. I think some people see it exactly for what it is. It's a movie. It's entertaining. They like that sort of, um, surprise experience, but they recognize that this is separate from their life. And because the fear doesn't overlap with their, their anxiety and their fear, it doesn't increase their normal everyday OCD and anxiety. I'm still afraid of the winged monkeys. And when I watch the wizard of Oz, yes, I know it's not real and I know how it ends. Yeah. And I still hope they don't take her away. Right. Every single time I think, well, maybe it'll be different this time. Uh, You'd think I would have drank for more years with that kind of philosophy, <laughs> you know, because that's one of the problems where you keep doing something that's really harming right. you. Uh, and, and you say to yourself, well, this time <laughs> it'll work this time. That's how I am with the Wizard of Oz. This time the winged monkeys won't take Dorothy away. Well, Michelle, that was just excellent. And now we are going to run all of that fresh, tasty, fearful information through the old Pouncedinator. Paula? Well, house band Kevin Burke on the guitar, you sound great. I'll bet you're spectacular on the new podcast, Dad Band Land. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for letting us steal you for our show this week. And if I could just push my luck a little further and ask you to give me a little background music, I'll tell you what the old Pounce Donator spit out. And of course, thank you, Michelle Massey, for teaching us about coping with fear. I think I get it. Cut to me swimming out to the buoy in the Atlantic Ocean off of Singing Beach in Manchester, Massachusetts. It's right about here that my heartbeat usually quickens. Hey, look at me. I I'm not scared. I I'm not even hearing the Jaws theme song. Wow, this is fantastic. Good thing I did all that work, going with the therapist to the aquarium and looking at pictures of sharks. Dum dum, dum dum, dum 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 dum. Oh my gosh! I'm not even sweating. I'm only yards from the buoy. Wait a minute. My feet are touching the ground. I didn't think my feet could touch the ground out here. Must be a a sandbar or something. No. It's awfully smooth for a sandbar. Maybe I can't tell because I swim in. Oh my God! It's a shark! And it's surfaced! And it's looking right at me! Look! Shark! 
I'm not afraid of you. I've seen pictures of you in books. They must have been airbrushed, too, because you aren't that good looking. Are you aware that this is Manchester, Massachusetts? Adam Felber says you're not even in Manchester. Yes, I know, Manchester by the sea, Massachusetts. It's Manchester, no matter what other words the snooty people tack onto it. Milwaukee doesn't call itself Milwaukee by the Kurds. Seattle doesn't call itself <laughs> Seattle by the fish smell. San Francisco doesn't call itself San Francisco by the unaffordable housing. So back off with your Manchester by the sea. Back, by the way, just back off entirely. I take one vacation a year for less than a week. I see Annie and Beezy, Susan, Gale, and hundreds of other Masieros. I eat ring dings and Captain Dusty's ice cream, and I need a little exercise. So I swim to the buoy, and Adam Felber says, you are not even here. Besides, I've been swimming here for 45 years, and 100% of that time, I've been able to do this. Anyway, I got bigger stuff to fear than you. Our democracy is under attack. Boy, your eyes just got really big. Freaks you out too, huh? But you know what? We've had a democracy for 246 years. We've had a democracy 100% of that time. It hasn't always worked fairly for everyone, but we have made progress. We know we can do it because we've done it before. We can vote our fucking asses off in the midterms because there are more of us that believe in democracy than don't. We can handle this. Look, I gotta get back. They'll think I've been eaten by a shark. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> she is the director of Anxiety Therapy LA. Thank you so much. Michelle Massey, returning champion, everybody. Yay! Hey. Thank you, Michelle. Let's make a date to skydive. Sounds good. Thanks for having me, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Bye, Michelle. Right. Good luck. Stay safe. Bye. Thank you, guys. You too. Coming up, if fear comes from ignorance, you have nothing to worry about. We're going to stuff you with facts like some kind of knowledge sausage. Potluck Info Party is coming up next. Woohoo! <laughs> Fun fact, almonds are a member of the peach family, although clearly they were adopted. <laughs> and we're back. Uh, thank you, house band Kevin Burke. Paula, he's something, isn't he? Yeah. You know, he seems like a guy who has enough experience that he could be on another podcast as well. Where he talks. Maybe. Yes, he does. He does. He's on my podcast, Dad Bandland. Oh, that's a freakish coincidence. Yeah, it is. I don't know how we managed to get him. But uh, thanks, Kevin Burke. And Paula, you know what it's time for now. Oh, I can't wait. I'm having a day where I've just felt so ignorant. We are all ready to solve that because it's time for our potluck info party. Yay! I changed the tune on this one a little, too. It's the potluck info party. It's the potluck info party. We got a potluck info party <laughs> tonight, tonight, tonight. Woo! So it's more like a standard 
the way you've done it. It sounds like a little Sinatra phrasing uh, to the potluck info party. Oh, I didn't think about that. It's very beautiful. But Adam keeps accusing me of plagiarizing other yeah. people's songs, not coming up with my own melody. Yeah, because you you outright steal other people's songs. Okay, but I didn't realize that at the time. So I purposely tried, you know, to come up with my own melody. Well, Bonnie, yeah. I was about to say that. I think you succeeded. I was hard-pressed. I could not come up with, with what that sounded like. There you go. You definitely, you wrote your own original melody, and I'm, I'm proud of you. Well done. I wouldn't be surprised if Lady Gaga didn't cover that. <laughs> Honestly, you know what I just realized? Mm. It's a potluck info party. It's not a ripoff <laughs> of anything. I was fine with that one. We had a listener write in who did accuse you of plagiarizing that one. And we played you the original tune that he was talking about, and you were like, yeah, that's a good point. No, I didn't think it sounded like me. No, you know what happened? <laughs> when she responded to the listener that time and she said, yeah, that's a good point. I, it does sound like that song. Um, she was fighting against her real self. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move forward to this potluck info. I, I feel, okay. like, I feel like if we devote the entire... It's a potluck info party. Yeah. I we... reintroduced, you see that? Oh, that was great. It was um, great. I really want to get to the part where we're not just doing the theme song, though, and we're actually having the party. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 put a sock in it, Bonnie Burns, and let's move forward. Uh, okay. This, this is a special one, too, because we're all going to share our, the info that we brought, and then our listeners... It's like a king who, every time he tries to talk, uh, the, the horn guy goes, da 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 <laughs> That's exactly what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> da, 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 da. Anyway, thank you, Harold. But um, after after we present our potluck info, we have some da, listener da, 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 supplied da, 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 da. like that. <laughs> yes, thank you. Listener supplied info. Oh, this oh this time listeners have information to share uh, at the potluck info. Da, 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 da. Yes. <laughs> That's great because usually it's just us. Go ahead, Adam. Go ahead. Say what you were going to say. Go ahead. I was going to say, it's your turn. Da, 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 da. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say whatever you want to say. I don't want to interrupt. It, okay, who's want, going first? You. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, okay, there's a term, I believe. Da, 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 da. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, <laughs> That's a no. fantastic musical introduction. Thank you, Adam Fulber. It's no wonder you have a musical podcast now. The word, I believe, is superfecundation. I Ooh. think that's the Whoa. right word. Superfecundation. Uh, it's where a female cat can breed numerous times with different males while she's in heat. You know, a, a, a female cat in heat is just a, a, a whore. Um, yes. And the eggs release in the ovaries during the mating in the tubes, and some get stuck, which is why... When the female cat gives birth, it can give birth to multiple breeds of kittens. So it can have one that looks like, you know, the, the male that you know knocked her up, um, and it can look like her, uh, but there can be one that, you know, looks like another cat altogether. Um, but here's the really freaky part. They found this can happen in humans as well. Ah! So a woman could give birth to... 
say, a little white, curly-haired girl with blonde hair and a kitten. What's that phenomenon called again? I believe it's superfecundation. And one of the ways that you know this has happened is that one of them will be a little behind in language until the day that she says, um, no, it actually can happen with humans, too. You can have two, oh my God. and it is with twins, yeah. That is a fantastic piece of potluck info. I'm going to give you two. Oh, boy. Because I also had a piece of potluck info that I read this week that involves animals and sex. I rejected it, but I'm going to tell you anyway because it's, it's kind of related. You know how dolphins are having sex all the time? No, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They just, they just like, never, ever stop uh, with, with the sex. Oh, I didn't know that. One of the reasons they think that it might be so popular is that they just discovered that female dolphins have very human-like clitorises. Huh. They're very advanced dolphins. Meaning that they get a lot of sexual gratification from it. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's not just a drive to procreate. Oh, yeah, they, they, they have recreational sex all the time. That certainly explains your fear of scuba diving. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll never get over that, that day with those three dolphins. But here's the real one I wanted to bring, Paula, because I thought you'd love this one. Fresh scientific discovery, goldfish can be taught to drive. No, to drive? The Ben-Gurion University, which is somewhere in Israel, they figured out that you could put a goldfish in a tank that's on wheels so that when they swim to one wall or the other wall, the entire tank moves. Oh, my gosh. And you can train them to swim towards the pink wall of the room to get a treat. They learn how to maneuver the tank. You have to look this up online and watch a goldfish drive because it's the funniest fucking thing you've ever seen. Well, this makes me feel even more like a loser because I am not a good driver. And the idea that a goldfish can drive better than I can yeah. is a little upsetting. On the other hand, no one ever made a cracker of me. <laughs> All right, let's open it up. Tony Anita Hall, what's your potluck info? Mine is food related, not animal related. So the okay. German part of German chocolate cake comes from an American man, not a European country. Specifically, it's named after Sam German, who in 1852 created the formula for a mild, dark baking chocolate bar for Baker's Chocolate Company. Fast forward to June 13, 1957, the Dallas Morning Star published the recipe for the cake, invented and submitted by a reader identified as Mrs. George Clay. That's amazing. Wait, how did it get to be Mrs. George Clay? I thought it was Mr. German. It's named after the German chocolate. Oh, got you. Okay, so he invented the chocolate. Got you. Oh, okay. Well, Tony, thank you for filling in the full story of the German chocolate cake which still doesn't explain why that's the one slice of cake that you have to serve on a doily. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. I, I, yeah. So now poor Germany uh, is expected to have excellent German chocolate cake because most of us had no idea about that. I wonder if they serve it there. No, that's not us. You got us confused. Yeah. We don't make that. Okay, here's some cake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bonnie Burns, what do you got for us? I have something. Yeah, I hope it's not a request for chocolate cake, because we don't make that. <laughs> okay, here we go. This is a good one. I've been getting interested in the Civil War recently. Robert E. Lee and his wife had an 1,100-acre estate in Virginia, which the government ended up confiscating 
for non-payment of taxes, and that amount was $92.07. Then Lincoln gave permission for the grounds to be used as a cemetery. And the concept was that when Lee moved back in, he'd have to look out over all these bodies and see the carnage he created. So the Lees actually never moved back in. They died in 1877, and their oldest son, I thought his name was interesting, George Washington Custis Lee. They got that George Washington in there. And he sued the federal government for illegal possession of their estate. And the Supreme Court agreed and gave it back to him. Then this new Lee family realized, what were they going to do with an estate that was littered with corpses? So he sold the estate back to the government for $150,000. Over time, 250,000 soldiers have been buried there. That is how Arlington Cemetery was created. Wow. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That is interesting. Yeah. General Lee just for years causing more trouble. (laughs) <laughs> I think a bigger piece of information uh, that Bonnie brought to the potluck info party is that she's recently become interested in the Civil War. Yeah, uh, I don't know how that happens. Where did the, was it because of our great guest, Ty Sedgley, who wrote Robert E. Lee and Me? No, honestly, it's from watching Wagon Train. <laughs> it's from watching Wagon Train? When Wagon Train occurred, there's a lot of stories on that TV show of people who survived the Civil War and how it affected them. And it just got me interested in, hey, I want to know more about the Civil War. On the television show Wagon Train? Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm not sure you're going to the right source. No, that's what Ivy, my daughter Ivy, said to me. She's like, you're using wagon train as a source for information? No, but the idea that, you know, how many people's lives were ruined, how much trauma they went through fighting that civil war. And when you add up the amount of people that were killed, it's more than World War I, World War II, Vietnam, and Korea combined. Yeah, it was was our bloodiest war, for sure. I just don't think that Wagon Train is a good historical source. (laughs) I I, uh, I said it's the storylines. Bonnie got her doctorate from MeTV. Wagon Train. Bonnie, it's a television show. (laughs) Um, I'd like to move with you on to World War II if we could. What do you got on Hogan's Heroes? Well, there was that episode where they ordered cake, and that made Schultz really mad. Yeah, yeah. We don't make it. I know nothing of German cake. (laughs) so i do think that that's a fascinating story but i think the most important piece of information we just received is that bonnie burns (laughs) has been studying the civil war using the show wagon train i didn't say that i said i got interested in this it piqued her interest Bala. all right so tony anita hull you have in your hand a bag full of tasty informational goodies from our listeners. Is that not correct? That is true. Why don't you give us a couple? So this is from Jason Winston. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, the word potluck has literary origins as far back as 1592. Wow. Wow. Um, Did they even have dishes then? You know, because when you have potluck, 
you know, you bring a pot, right? And, you know, you'd throw it on the table with everybody else's pot with whatever's in there. Was it like coconut shells or something? I don't, maybe not. All right. Uh, thank you, Jason Winston. Right. <laughs> um, Tony, step on up. Give us another. So we have Austin Morgan wrote in, the soot used on set for the step in time scene in Mary Poppins was actually a mineral rich clay called Fuller's Earth. It helped to shrink and remove a wart on Julie Andrews' thumb that she'd had to hide for years. Wow. Wow. I want to say that I think the step in time scene, that's the one up on the roof, does not get enough credit for being one of the greatest dance numbers in any movie ever. Everything about it is beautiful. And then the other thing is Julie Andrews didn't have to hide a wart. See, now that makes me sad. I'm glad the Fuller's Earth got rid of the ward if it was bothering her, but Julie Andrews is perfect. If she has a ward, then warts are perfect. She's perfect. Wow. <laughs> well, you're a little biased. All right, what do you got, Tony? What up? Sarah Anderson wrote, when the female in a group of clownfish dies, the most dominant male turns into a female to replace her. <gasps> That's true of any kind of clowns. <laughs> well, you know, worms are hermaphrodites, which is difficult when you're raising worms because they argue over the outfits. Um, all right, what else? Don Kirby brought us, we are born with about 300 bones. Most of us will die with only 206 bones. What? Well, why doesn't Don explain where the fuck the bones go? That's a lot of bones to lose. Which is he talking about? That's 94 bones. They fused together. Ah, oh, Jesus. That's gross. Because I didn't list that among my fears earlier, but that is one of my fears, is that I'm just going to stiffen up and be like, just one bone. I probably will be the rare person who doesn't die with 206. I'll die with just one. That would be, that would be <laughs> remarkable and very yeah. painful. It's, it's going to be uncomfortable. I'm sure of it. And I'll still have to fly to my jobs. I'm just, I'll go to sit in my seat and I'm just one fucking bone. So like I have to just pee. <laughs> I'm like from the floor to the headrest. And, 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 and I put my carry-on baggage like underneath, like in the seat under me because I'm just one bone. I'm pretty sure that's what it's begun. Trust me. The debonification process has begun. Uh, all right. Okay. Give us another, Tony. This is from Alexander Tickle. Oh, my gosh. That's the best name. Isn't that the best name? I know. Yeah. So Mr. Tickle wrote, some fish eggs can still gestate and hatch after being eaten and pooped out by ducks. Yeah, but that's still no excuse for a duck's behavior. Uh, you know, you can you, you can really imagine someone saying to the duck, oh, you ate the fish eggs, and the duck going, what? I didn't kill them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's... What a, that what a lousy place to hatch, though, for that fish. I, I just feel bad for the infant fish. Yeah, when they do the thing where um, they, they're in some sort of uh, experimental therapy and they have them regress, <laughs> they go all the way back to their egg phase and they're like, Jesus, I'm in a duck's colon. I mean, um, <laughs> the worst version of Finding Nemo ever. <laughs> There's a sequel, uh, Pooping Nemo, um, that's very popular. <laughs> All right, Johnny, what else? One more from Gene Brody. King Tut's penis went missing for many years after its discovery in 1922. 
So does that mean it, it came back? That's what I wanted to know. Did it come back? I don't think it was stolen. I think it was there the whole time. Hiding in sand? They just missed it. I had a cat named King Tut when I was growing up, and uh, his penis, you know, was intact. Oh, thank you for uh, that, Paula. Yeah, so we never had to, <laughs> you know. He was yeah. an indoor-outdoor cat, but I never had to go outside in the freezing cold and look for his penis, I'll tell you that. Um, is this the Miss Jean Brody that there's a movie about? The prime of Miss Jean Brody? That's the one. I got confused. I thought you were saying that King Tut's penis was Jean Brody. No, no, that's ridiculous. Okay. Uh, King Tut's <laughs> yeah, penis totally went bad. missing. So you think, wait, what do you mean it was in the sand? Where was King Tut? In a sarcophagus, I think. All right, so King Tut was in the sarcophagus, but Tony right. says his penis was in the sand. Why would that be? I don't think Tony researched this enough. No, according to an Atlantic article. That you're reading right now. Yes. During a CT scan in 2006, it was lying loose in the sand around the mummy's body. It was lying loose. What sand? Why? There was sand in the what? sarcophagus? <laughs> hey, Bonnie. Yeah? You've seen that darn cat. Um, what television show would you watch that would give you this information? Um... So why was there sand in the sarcophagus? You know, a boy king needs a place to hide his penis. <laughs> find my penis, find my penis. Find my penis. <laughs> find my penis, Clementine. Um, you know yeah. what, Ed, with, with that, I'm going to say we're done with Potluck Info Party. A potluck info party. It's a potluck info party. P -p 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 party. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. All right. <laughs> well, that was lots of fun, everybody. Hey, nobodies, if you have a question or comment, drop us a line at nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com or just hit us up on our Facebook page. There's always something fun happening there. And 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 if any one of you has King Tut's penis, please just send it to us. No questions asked. <laughs> exactly. I would like you to think of it this way, nobodies. If it was your penis. Would you like someone to have taken it away in 1922? I don't think you would. Try, try to think of it that way. And now, uh, if you have King Tut's penis, please uh, re uh, just return it to <laughs> Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. Uh, Which is its rightful home. All right, Paula, what's going on with your Poundstone product empire this week? Adam, everyone at Poundstone Industries, also known as Lipstick Nancy Incorporated, is simply buzzing with excitement over our newest product. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirts. We could give a shit about sweatshirts. That buzzing is flies. You got flies all over the warehouse. Each high fashion, comfortable shirt with a double needle hem on the hood and pouch pocket Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone's logo on the front and memorable quote on the back comes with a simple sample dialogue to help the listener who feels awkward telling people that they listen. See, Adam? They're available now in small, medium, large, extra large, and double extra large at the shop at paulapoundstone.com. And the best part is they're free, except for $40 or $42 and shipping. <laughs> 
I'm also offering worm castings at $4 a pound plus shipping from the funniest farm in the world or for $30 plus shipping. Enjoy my How the Heck Does She Do It package, which includes a personalized video showing some portion of my worm farming process and a pound of worm waste. Plus, I'll introduce you to the worm I name after you. Email me at paula at paulapoundstone.com. We'll work it out. I could go on, you know, but Heidi... Well, I just want to I want to piggyback on that, Paula, and say that I got one of those new uh, Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirts, as you know, and it is big and comfy and attractive looking. Our logo looks fantastic. The memorable quote on the back is indeed memorable. I urge you, if you're looking for a nice, deep blue sweatshirt to just snuggle into over this long winter, you could do a lot worse than the Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone sweatshirt. And while you're in that sweatshirt, I highly recommend that you listen to the new podcast from me and tonight's house band, Kevin Burke. It's called Dad Band Land. And it's a funny exploration of all things of uh, music uh, from the point of view of a neighborhood cover band. That's Dad Band Land on Starburns Audio. I could go on, but Heidi. You know, I'm hoping that Bonnie Burns is able to come up with a high-quality, suitable theme song for Dad Band. So da- for, yes, that would be really great. Uh, Bonnie, why don't you think about that, and we will, uh, when you guest on our show, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get you to sing that for us. Okay, Adam, I'll think about it, because I don't think you've given quite enough plugs for your podcast. What's it called? It's now up and running. Which one? The Dad Band Land one? Yeah. Oh, Dad Bandland, where we where we uh, where we discuss and argue about music and 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 what it's like to be in a band. Uh, you know, yeah. Nobody listens to Paula Poundstone has given literally dollars worth of advertising. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even make Tony jump through hoops to do it. Hey, everybody! Remember to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get them. It's free. You'll get it every week at no charge. If there's a subject or topic that you'd like to know about, once again, nobody listens to Paula Poundstone at gmail.com. And that is our show. Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone, a subsidiary of Dad Bandland, is hosted by Paula Poundstone and yours truly, Adam Dad Bandland Felber. Special thanks to our guest, Michelle Massey. Yay! Yay! And to our house band, Dad Bandland's own, Kevin Burke. Yay! Our show is produced by Paula Poundstone, Adam Felber, Bonnie Burns, Ken Lezebnik, and Tony Anita Hull. Starburns production by Land Romo, Poundstone Industries production by Vic Lowry, and thanks to the voice talent of Paul Matlock. Transcription services for the show provided by TranscribeMe, a premier internationally used transcription service. Use code Paula Poundstone when placing your order at transcribeme.com to receive an expedited service. That's our show for tonight. Won't somebody please listen to me? I, I feel like I heard that um, you're going to have a new podcast. No, no, no. I'm, I'm imagining. I'm, that's, a new podcast? Am I? I feel like I heard that. You know, let me, let me look at my day planner here. Yeah, it looks like for the last couple of months I've been recording something that's not Nobody Listens to Paula Poundstone. No, that's... Yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. Boy, that's yeah. So now, um, mm-hmm. once baseball season starts up again, and yeah. and nobody listens to Paula Poundstone plays uh, Dad Band Land, don't you feel like mm-hmm. you'll be torn? No, I'll just play for both teams. 
So you pitch and hit? Yeah. So you throw the ball and then you run? I'm going to have to train really it? hard. Look, it's, wow. it's, not, it's not easy to be a man with two podcasts, but, you know, that's just what I'm going to have to do. Yeah, boy. I'll tell you what, it's easier than Look, being King Tut. You know what? I thought I found his penis just a minute ago. But but it turned out to be Ramses. Huh. Yeah. I mean, this neighborhood is lousy with ancient Egyptian penises. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, why, that's why I've gone on so many digs out there. <laughs> Star Fans Avenue. A, podca- <clears throat> A podcast network.